G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, religious freedom is in the spotlight this week as we anticipate the federal government's next move with its religious freedom legislation. All eyes will be on Canberra in anticipation of how new laws might affect employees, uh, schools, hospitals and aged care providers. The Attorney-General Christian Porter will be trying to walk a fine line with his religious discrimination bill. Now, it's possible that that legislation could be debated as early as next week. So, if it happens, uh, we're going to uh, have a chat today uh, with the University of Notre Dame Australia School of Law in Sydney. Uh, It so happens that the University of Notre Dame is this week holding its annual conference on religious liberty in conjunction with its annual Religious Liberty Lecture. Now, the conference theme will be on religious freedom and inclusivity. Asking what the term inclusivity means and how it is to be employed and how, if at all, it can coexist with religious liberty. And so to talk through some of those things about what's happening and the insights of Professor Michael Quinlan, who's the Dean of the School of Law at the University of Notre Dame in Sydney. In fact, he's just launched his book called Religious Freedom in Australia, A New Terra Nullius. Uh, He's got a couple of co-editors there. We'll ask him about those too. But a special welcome to 2020, Professor Michael Quinlan. Hello, Michael. Hello, Neil, and, and hello to your listeners. Michael, big, big week for you at the University of Notre Dame. A very big week, too, as we anticipate what the government's going to do. It may or may not release and debate that legislation next week, but there's every possibility it will. I wonder whether, as we get into a conversation, you've got any thoughts about when you think the government might well introduce that legislation? Oh, I think the legislation is likely to be introduced within this sitting term. Um, but I don't think there's really much likelihood that it will be debated at that time. I think it will be introduced and, and then sent off to a committee and the committee will conduct another inquiry. So, I mean, there's endless numbers of inquiries in relation to religious liberty and so on, but it's very important that um, this bill, if it does become law, uh, is modified in a way which, which makes it work well for religious believers. Uh, Well, uh, no good for us to be impatient about it because uh, delays may actually be an advantage as uh, people around Australia get to realise just what significance these religious uh, liberty, religious freedom laws have. Uh, For you, Michael Quinlan, uh, why is religious freedom so important? Oh, I mean, it's it's, it's at the heart of what I do every day. It would be impossible for me to be the dean of a of this law school, which is a Christian law school in the Catholic tradition, were it not for religious freedom, and it would be impossible for this university to operate uh, if it were not for religious freedom, because in its founding uh, legislation in Western Australia, it's required to provide a university education in the context of Catholic faith and values. So we're expressly required by law to do that, uh, and to do that requires religious liberty, because we have to be able to speak 
about difficult issues like religious freedom, like life issues, um, uh, openly and uh, in discussion with our students. If we can't do that, we can't do our jobs. Well, great getting your insights today. And for listeners who are thinking maybe that Protestant values are different to Catholic values on this, uh, there's no difference at all here. Uh, all Christians are on the same page. And no doubt in the way that you address these issues, you're addressing uh, the sorts of conversations and uh, lectures and discussions that you might be leading around religious freedom uh, right across the board. And no doubt with those uh, biblical foundations that give us an understanding of what liberty is. Oh, indeed. And uh, I think I, I take in particular note of the call for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul and all our mind. Uh, and if we're going to love God with our mind, that means we actually need to think about our religious faith. What's Why do we believe what we believe? Uh, and in order to think about that, we need to be open to hearing what other people uh, might say so that we can take those those on board uh, and form our own our own informed opinion about our faith. Uh, Michael, I'm, I'm interested in the title of your new book, Religious Freedom in Australia, A New Terra Nullius. Uh, of course, uh, when we think of Terra Nullius, we're thinking of the idea that, uh, you know, uh, who owned the land before when it comes to uh, Australian land rights issues, uh, the idea of nobody's land and justifying occupation of it. How does that relate to this idea of religious freedom if we're talking about Terra Nullius? Thank you for asking me that question. So Terra Nullius essentially means an empty land. Uh, and so uh, the argument which... And, and um, like Terra Nullius, uh, Australia, the principle of Terra Nullius was false. You know, Australia was not an empty land. Uh, there were people living in Australia when uh, the Europeans first came to settle here. Religious freedom is like that in this way. Uh, religious freedom is an inherent right, uh, which inheres in, as a result of the uh, inherent dignity of every human being. It's a right which predates the state. It exists without the state. Um, and we're not given our religious liberty by law. We're given our religious liberty because we are human beings. Uh, and so there is a, a religious liberty which is which is part of our inherent dignity. Um, but there's a real uh, paucity of legislation which protects religious liberty. Um, and so uh, at the moment in Australia, we have a patchwork quilt of different laws in different states and different territories in the Commonwealth. Uh, the Commonwealth is now looking, uh, as a result of the Ruddick Review, into religious liberty in a in a broader sense. Uh, the first cap off the rank here is the Religious Discrimination Bill. Um, but essentially we're using that expression of Terry Nullius to talk about the fact that Australia really has no well-developed religious freedom uh, superstructure, um, but there is an underlying inherent right to religious liberty which predates the state. It predates the state. And so when we talk about that, somehow or other you've got to quantify uh, issues of history, haven't you? And sometimes people talk about uh, these sorts of issues as something of a history war. And uh, the idea of being able to reflect on what makes religious freedom a part of our history that should not be changed at this point or should be uh, reinforced as a religious freedom. That's uh, part of the issue here, and that's a part of what is at risk if the government begins then to legislate that uh, that freedom away. Oh, that's exactly right. And, uh, uh, I mean, the history of Australia demonstrates 
quite a different history to most other parts of the world because from the very beginning when the Europeans came to Australia there were people from different faith traditions amongst the people who came and that's consistently been the position in Australia. Australia has never uh, adopted the approach of having an establishment church or favouring one particular religious denomination over others and those issues uh, of conflict which we experienced in Australia as as uh, have been experienced in many parts of the world, particularly uh, around the, up to the 1950s and 1960s, where we saw the evil of sectarianism being worked out, have really been worked out. And, and we moved into a, a period where you would have thought that religious liberty would be well respected and not be an issue causing consternation and conflict uh, for a decade or two after the 1980s. But uh, now we're, we're really in a quite different position, uh, and that's largely been the result of a change in attitude uh, towards religion amongst a sizable proportion of the population. So there is a declining proportion of the population who identify with any religious tradition, a declining proportion of the population who identify with Christianity, uh, and this is leading to areas of conflict and, and the militant use of uh, anti-discrimination laws against religious believers um, that, that is something new in Australia, and that's, that's something which is caused calling for a, a response. Uh, let's enlarge a little, if you're able, on this changing perception uh, that's happening in Australian society, because when you talk anti-discrimination law, and that's what the government's going to be debating, uh, this idea of a Religious Freedom Act, that's out the door, and uh, we're back to playing around the edges of anti-discrimination law. And, of course, that brings into the picture the Australian Human Rights Commission that are likely to be administering that. And I know you've got some concerns about uh, how the Australian Human Rights Commission actually misrepresents people of faith and is likely to continue to do so if they're the ones who are adjudicating what's true and what's right for religious organisations. Give us some impressions here about this changing perception and how that'll affect things if the government gets this wrong. Well, there's a few few different ideas floating in, in there, uh, Neil, which I'll, I'll try and unravel. Um, so the first thing is that um, because of the fact that the Commonwealth Government chose to introduce anti-discrimination laws in relation to certain characteristics and behaviours but not others, uh, and did so in a way which protected religion only by way of exceptions or exclusions, the law itself has fed into uh, a belief uh, among some members of the population that religious believers are being um, favourably treated or put in some kind of special uh, category so that they can willy-nilly discriminate against others, when that's completely untrue. Uh, if the government had introduced religious uh, discrimination laws at the same time as it introduced discrimination laws in the areas of age and sex and race and uh, disability, uh, then this position mightn't have emerged in quite the same way. And if they, if they had... Uh, provided in legislation for positive rights of religions to uh, choose to employ employees who fit their mission, who fit the ethos or fit the, fit the context in which the religious organisation was operating, rather than to protect religion only by way of exceptions, uh, we've been in a much stronger position intellectually. Um, because once you say something is an exception, you're saying that it would be unlawful for you to behave in this way but for the exception. Uh, it's not it's not very hard to, to move from um, seeing that as uh, an exception which 
uh, permits discrimination which should be removed because uh, no one should be above the law. So as you say, uh, the government is planning not to have positive rights for religious freedom and therefore is going to be setting up uh, what are these uh, uh, anti-discrimination abilities. And the interesting thing here, and uh, I'll get your perception because if we're actually wanting to protect religious freedom, uh, the idea of not having positive rights and just working around the edges of anti-discrimination law, uh, because religions take a different moral position to other people in society, isn't that just what is at the heart of having religious freedom? The idea that those things need to be protected? That's exactly right. And, I, and that's the concern I have with the Australian Human Rights Commission approach as revealed by the uh, discussion papers on free and equal and the issues paper on free and equal, which I'm writing a submission in relation to, uh, which is due on Friday. And I would encourage your listeners to have a look at free and equal uh, and if they have time to put in submissions by the end of Friday. Um, my concern there is really that the whole the whole. Um, reason for the need to have religious liberty protection is that religions take different moral positions to the rest of society. If society changes its moral position, uh, that doesn't mean there's a lesser need for um, protection for religion. It actually means that there's a stronger need for protection for religion. Um, because in a plural, pluralist, multi-faith, multicultural society like ours, difference is important. And really, that's what human rights law should be about, uh, respecting the difference differences amongst people and enabling people to live together in harmony, uh, not by forcing everybody to believe the same way or act the same way, but recognising that people are different. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole uh, uh, raison d'etre of, uh, religious, uh, of um, human rights. Well, the way forward, uh, you, it's hard to be optimistic, isn't it? Because what the government is proposing around these issues of anti-discrimination law is going to give the, uh, like the Australian Human Rights Commission, uh, the power to be able to say what's right and wrong according to what they feel, not according to what religions uh, would say are right values. In fact, they're going to have the power to, in some sense, try to force religions to change moral positions. And that's going to create awful conflict, isn't it? Well, we'll have to see what the legislation ultimately ends up being. Um, one of the things which the Australian Human Rights Commission has uh, recommended or suggested for discussion in their issues papers is um, removing all of the present exemptions from the current uh, anti-discrimination legislation and providing for them either to be removed entirely or to be for a limited duration and for uh, religious organisations to seek exemptions from the Australian Human Rights Commission. Now, if that were to happen, that could be quite problematic, obviously. Uh, that's not what's proposed at the moment in the discrimination bill which has been put up. Uh, and we don't know, because it has been uh, circulated yet, how the government has changed uh, what was originally proposed in the um, exposure draft, which was, which was presented for comment. Um, some of the concerns that uh, Mark Fowler and, and I and, other, and others have about that draft is, is not so much that issues will be determined by the Australian Human Rights Commission, but that issues will be determined by the courts. So to gain the benefit of the bill's protection, a person would need to convince the judge that the conduct they've engaged in, or an organisation, if it's an organisation, the conduct they've engaged in may reasonably regard, be regarded as being in accordance with the doctrines, tenets, beliefs or teachings of their religion. 
Um, so that's a question on which many religious believers within one tradition might have different views. Uh, leaving that question up to the courts to okay. determine is something which is, which is highly undesirable and something the courts, generally speaking, don't want to have to determine um, because they recognise it's not something within their expertise or their bellywick. Well, they may be, they may well be forced uh, to adjudicate, and that uh, will be an issue, won't it? Uh, Michael, just to quickly draw attention to your university, you're the dean of the School of Law at the University of Notre Dame in Sydney, and uh, your conference starts this week. It'll follow on from the annual Religious Liberty Lecture, and uh, this year the eighth annual Religious Liberty Lecture will be delivered by Monica Dumit tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening, in fact. Uh, what what people who are attending that lecture expect to hear from Monica? Oh, well, they'll expect to hear some very um, powerful discussion of the impact that the um, terminology of inclusivity or inclusion, which is becoming a predominant theme amongst uh, the intelligentsia and the elites in Australia, uh, and the impact of that um, particularly nuanced understanding of inclusivity is having on uh, religious believers um, because religions, as we've been talking about, uh, Neil, are presenting a different moral position to the position uh, which is which is predominant in a society. If, if, if religion was identical to society, there'd be no need to have a religion. It would cease to actually have its own doctrines. It would just be part of the law of the land, and that's not what has ever been the case in Australia. So religions in and of themselves have an element of exclusivity to them. They have particular rules, they have particular doctrines, particular tenets uh, that believers who wish to follow that tradition are expected to observe. That puts them at odds with the, with the principle of inclusivity, if inclusivity means that everyone should believe the same thing and everyone should behave in a particular way, uh, which is mandated by the state or mandated by those who think they know better than religious believers who've been following a tradition which, which may have centuries, not thousands of years of history behind it. Well, there may be Sydney-siders who would like to participate and be a part of that lecture tomorrow, uh, and then I imagine people can still register to be a part of the conference that you've got starting on Friday. Uh, I'll point people uh, and, simply... Um, yep. yep, so to do that, they just go onto the Notre Dame website. It's easily found by... The easiest way is actually just by typing in Notre Dame and religious liberty or religious freedom, uh, and that will come up. Um, but if they if they would like to just come along, uh, that will be fine. So we're uh, on Broadway uh, in Sydney, so um, near the Broadway Shopping Centre, uh, about 10 minutes' walk from Central Station. Uh, and the conference will be in St Benedict's Hall, which is behind St Benedict's Church, which is the oldest consecrated Catholic church in Australia, and it's on... Uh, on Broadway. Okay. Uh, so people are, are more than welcome to come along. Uh, nine o'clock Friday, the conference starts. Six o'clock Thursday night, the um, lecture starts. Okay. Ideally, register, but if you don't register, you can still come along. A great uh, historic location, venue for the conference, uh, the Religious Liberty Lecture tomorrow. The conference starts on Friday. Simply Google Notre Dame Religious Freedom and uh, just 10 minutes from Central Station on Broadway in Sydney is where you'll be able to find uh, what is being discussed around the issues of religious freedom. And to mention too, the Religious Freedom in Australia, a new 
Terra Nullius, uh, the title of your new book. Co-editors, uh, Ian T. Benson and A. Keith Thompson. And uh, people, no doubt, can uh, simply Google uh, Religious Freedom in Australia, a new Terra Nullius, and uh, be able to get a hold of your new book too, Michael. Uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, it's the three of you contributing uh, as co-editors, and you, you tackle a lot of uh, detail in your book. Give us a little outline, just very briefly. Oh, well, I mean, the, the book is, is written by academics, but it's written for general consumption. Um, so it features people, uh, academics from Notre Dame, but also academics from around the country. And some, some of those names will be familiar to people. So people like um, Dr. Augusta Zimmerman, uh, Lorraine Finlay, Dr. Alex Deegan, uh, Dr. Brian Adams, Dr. Brendan Long, um, as well as uh, Dr. Ian Benson, myself, and Keith Thompson. It includes chapters which explain the contemporary position of religious freedom in Australia uh, and also chapters which provide um, suggested ways of resolving the problems that we're presently experiencing. Uh, so I'm sure any, any, any reader would find it uh, very informative and interesting. Professor Michael Quinlan, the, the Dean of the School of Law at the University of Notre Dame in Sydney. Michael, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. God bless you and God bless your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.